Grace and peace be yours from God, our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text tonight for this first midweek Advent service, reflecting upon the the Old, Old Testament reading, or rather the first reading that you heard tonight from the prophet Isaiah, the seventh chapter. The Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. And then Isaiah said, Hear now. O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary man, but you will you weary my God also? Therefore, Isaiah said, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Dear friends in our Lord, in its native Hebrew tongue, his name means literally, the Lord is salvation. Isaiah. So maybe it's not surprising that Isaiah, this prophet of God, would bear such a name. For some scholars have determined that the, that the words, he shall save, which is one word in the Hebrew, the words he shall save and salvation are among the prophet's favorite terms in all of his writing. And it's true, isn't it? So much of, of, what, of that which Isaiah records for us speaks to us, speaks volumes to us about the Lord and his salvation. Indeed, the ancient church father and Bible translator Jerome once said of Isaiah, he said, No, it seems to me that Isaiah uttered not a prophecy, but a gospel. More richly and in more detail than any other prophet, Isaiah proclaims the gospel of the Savior of the nations who was to come who has come. In this Advent season, we'll hear from Isaiah. Isaiah, the Advent prophet, for they're his words that so often kindle our hope and anticipation during this season. They're his words that so often are echoed in the song of Advent and in Christmas hymn and carol. They're his words that so vividly unfold by divine inspiration. They unfold for us the mystery of this Messiah. God with us, and yet a child, one born of the house of David, the the line of Jesse. Time after time, they're his words, they're Isaiah's words that are cited in their fulfillment by the apostles, by Christ himself, as proof that neither Isaiah nor the apostles nor Christ spoke empty words, but proof that they uttered words of divine origin and divine significance. And so tonight we consider Isaiah's words. A prophecy. A prophecy once uttered to a man not so very unlike you or me. King Ahaz. A prophecy uttered some 700 years before the virgin did conceive and before Emmanuel was born. Ahaz, king of Judah, was in an unenviable predicament. You see, two well-armed adversaries were encamped at the doorstep of his kingdom. They were pounding hard upon the door. The nations of Syria and Ephraim stood poised, ready to overrun him and overthrow him. For Ahaz, the situation was bleak, and the outlook was grim. 
Ahaz was, as people are wont to say in this Christmas Advent season, Ahaz was sore afraid. He was petrified and terrified. He was afraid because he didn't recall his history, though. He was afraid because he didn't know his God. Would that he had recalled the words of the Lord's prophet Moses, that the Lord gave to Moses to speak to those Israelites who them, who too, many years before Ahaz, stood with their backs against the wall, literally with their backs against the Red Sea. The full force of the Egyptian army, remember, bearing down upon them. Would that Ahaz had remembered the words of Moses. When he said, stand still, Moses said to a bunch of scared people, Stand still, be still, and see the salvation the Lord will accomplish for you today. Would that he had remembered those words, but he didn't. Would that he had remembered the words God spoke through the psalmist David of old. When David wrote before King Ahaz's time, when David wrote, Be still and know that I am God. But Ahaz didn't remember. He wouldn't keep still and let God be God and work in the ways that God does. In fact, he stiffly refused God's assurance of deliverance, provided in a sign of his own choosing. He refused it. Ahaz. But now recall also another man. Another man some 700 years later, another man from the house of David and the lineage of David who found himself also in an unenviable predicament. His virgin bride-to-be was somehow with child. And he knew well the child was not his. The situation for Joseph was bleak. And the outlook was grim. Friends, don't we sometimes feel like Ahaz or like Joseph? Don't the pressures and the predicaments of this world leave us anything but still so often? Anything but calmly waiting upon the Lord? Don't we have days like theirs? Sometimes, perhaps, don't we even have decades in our life like theirs? Decades or days in our lives when the situation for us seems bleak. The outlook looks, looks very grim. And it makes no difference whether the problems or the pressures are, are the consequences of living in a world in which we certainly and intimately feel the sins of others, or whether they're the consequences that we feel of our own sins. We know well what Ahaz and we know well what Joseph felt. We've shared with Ahaz and Joseph in those sleepless nights. Those sleepless nights contemplating. Often questioning with skepticism the wisdom of God to allow such unenviable circumstances into our house. And into our lives. At times we might be more cautiously and carefully skeptical like Joseph before that angelic dream. But sometimes we're far more defiant, though, too, aren't we? And rash, like Ahaz, stiffly refusing even to be reminded of God's promises, refusing in our own lives to, to regard the sacramental dynamic signs of deliverance he's given to us. We know it all too well. 
When a threat stands at our door, we know where our confidence naturally lies. And so we do. We trust a bit in our own heart and we lean mostly, or rather we trust a bit in the Lord and lean mostly on our own understanding, just like Ahaz did. We, we take God, with God, a, a my way or the highway sort of attitude, insisting like Ahaz that the solution is best for me only if it comes on my terms. But you know the solution to Ahaz's problem? And the solution to Joseph's problem? The solution to our predicaments in life, be they our sinful condition, or whatever predicament it might be, the solution, it came in terms that none of us ever would have chosen. The solution to life's problem came in terms delivered by the Advent prophet when he said, you won't choose to Ahaz, he said, you won't choose a sign, here's your sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's God with us. What a sign. What a sign. A sign for the heaviest heart of doubt. What a sign for Ahaz. This virgin conceiving. What a sign. The impossible situation made possible. By whom and with whom all things are possible. What a sign for Joseph. To see a 700 year old pregnant prophecy fulfilled. And come to full term in the impossible and yet expectant womb of his beloved and betrothed Mary. What a sign fulfilled for you and me too. Because I want you to recall the prophet's word, words that were, were read and, and which you heard earlier tonight. Recall that Ahaz could have chosen a sign from the highest heaven above or from Sheol or the depths below. And the Lord gave him a sign that encompassed them both, the highest and the lowest. From the highest heaven above, the Lord himself came down from heaven and was incarnate, was enfleshed by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man. Why? For us men. And for our salvation to draw us out of the deepest depths of Sheol and to the heights of heaven. What a sign. What a sign given by God, the sign, a miraculous sign, no doubt, but not simply because a virgin conceived and was with child. Certainly a mark of the hand of God, no doubt about it. But the greater miracle is this. The greater miracle of the sign is this, that the son of the virgin is named Emmanuel. God with us. Imagine God with us who deserve by our sins to be so far from Him. And yet God so near that He couldn't be any more so. Martin Luther contemplating the gracious nearness of God to us once noted that God through, through His incarnation came closer to us than the devil ever did to ruin us. This is what he said. He said, the devil came close to us, but he did not come so close as to assume our nature. For although he fell through pride and thereupon persuaded man also to fall away from God and into sin and death, Luther says he nevertheless did not become man and did not come so close to us as did God's Son, who became our flesh 
and blood. I ask you tonight, could God have come any closer to be with us and to be for us than he did? God with us, one of us. The virgin's son named Jesus come to carry out the work of his own name's sake to save his people from their sins. God with us come to ransom captive sinners by his death upon the cross so so that thereby he might, as we sing in that Lenten canticle in him, open wide our heavenly home and make safe the way that leads on high. And because God was there with us, indeed was there for us on the cross, which was our bleakest and our most grim situation, and what would have been for us our bleakest and most grim, because he was there with us and for us on the cross, it means, therefore, that God is with us. And ever for us in the highest times of life, God is with us and for us in the depths of life's day. It means that we can And should be still and know that he is God, God with us and God for us. It means that God and all that he is, is with you always, as one named Emmanuel once said, is with you always even to the end of the age. That's how with us God is. Where, you might ask, where then will you find him with us in his forgiving and life-giving grace? Where are you going to find him with us in this way till the end of the age? Friend, here, don't choose your own sign. In this respect, you're not Ahaz. God never told you to choose your own sign in this respect. Here, God chose the sign for you. Where will he be found? He's chosen that sign for you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling bread, in the manger cup of communion. You'll find Emmanuel, and you'll hear Emmanuel, the virgin-born, speaking comfort, comfort to his people through his inscripturated word, and that word preached. You'll find him where baptismal waters flow. You'll find him where Emmanuel promised you that he would be, Promised where he would be with us to the very end of the age in those Christ-bearing means that he's designated his word and his sacraments. That's where you find the Christ. In all that he is. That's where and nowhere else in all creation will he be found. That's where he'll be found. Nowhere else in all creation will will he be found in his forgiving grace than in these God-appointed channels where the end of the incarnation comes to you by the means of his grace. God with us in his grace. Friends, Ahaz refused God's promised grace. We dare not also weary God. But like Joseph, we take to heart the word proclaimed, the promise extended to us. And like Joseph, We regard the Emmanuel that is before us. Be it the virgin-born babe, the Bible, the baptism, bread and wine, not deterred 
or put off by the outward appearance, but resting on God's promise, with Joseph we behold it, and we regard it, and we embrace it, and we cradle it. And we say with every confidence of it, here, here God is surely with us. Emmanuel, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.